look that way, especially when you come back to it later. Just wanted to say a couple things about uh, Sunday school um, this morning. I'm not an elder, but I'm elderly to many of you. And uh, wanted to uh, encourage you, um, when you hear difficult things um, that you might struggle with, like from Matthew 24, trying to understand some of the things that the Lord said, step back and remember why the Pharisees missed it, why they didn't get it. And it was because they had a moral problem. It wasn't that they had a lack of education. If you want to understand the Word of God, seek with all your heart to do the will of God. Christ said, if any man will do his will, he will know of the doctrine, whether I'm speaking of myself or from God. And that's those are the people that God reveals himself to, the ones who are earnestly uh, seeking to obey him. And that's where the Pharisees uh, missed it. Jesus said in <clears throat> Matthew uh, 21:32, he, he had just given them the parable about the two sons. The one who said, I go, sir out into the field to work, but he didn't go. And then the other one said, I ain't going. But afterward he repented and went, and the Lord said to them that you heard John's preaching and you wouldn't go. And then even afterward, when you saw the harlots and the tax uh, collectors uh, repent and obey, you didn't repent so that you might believe. So repentance is necessary to believe. And so uh, keep that first things in, in mind when, when you're struggling uh, to understand things and take comfort in that fact that God will reveal in his due time uh, what you need. I like the advice in First Peter that uh, he gives a, uh, an outline of the Christian life And he says, not only this, add to your faith virtue. And I believe this is chronological. The first thing after faith is virtue. There's an old word uh, for you that they don't use anymore, I don't think, in many of the translations. I think they use a big, long uh, moral excellence, which that's what virtue is. You have to add that first before you add knowledge. Then virtue, knowledge. And so what we were working on this morning was knowledge. But if we didn't back up and get it right, our heart's right to begin with, then it's going to be a closed door. And uh, there will be no place to, uh, it will just be endless struggle. It will be like those widows, or not widows, the silly women who were ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So we don't want to be like that. We want to... uh, have hearts for God. And that's really what we see in Psalm 139. Uh, As we've gone along here, we're uh, getting toward the end, but in Psalm 124, uh, Psalm 131 especially, and then in Psalm 138 as well, um, we see here uh, a more contemplative David. And going back to Psalm 23 last week was kind of an eye-opener to me 
as well. That was a very contemplative uh, psalm as well uh, by David. And in verse 6 of this chapter, this contemplation overwhelms him. And I hope uh, that the Spirit of God will bring us uh, that same sense of the the overwhelming uh, glory of God's knowledge, his presence, his power, his thoughts toward us, his hatred of evil, and uh, a prayer of of ours should be, uh, as the prayer in this psalm, search me and know my heart. And yet, in these contemplations, in every one of these psalms, I believe, Uh, perhaps save one, there is always an interruption. There is always the harassment uh, by his enemies that David experiences. Even in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The enemies are ever present in our uh, Christian experience. And and, uh, that's the beauty uh, of the psalm. The wicked are never far from even our best Uh, meditations and we will see it again uh, in this psalm as well so um, as I mentioned uh, several things there uh, God's knowledge is brought to us in uh, verses 1 through 6 his knowledge of us his presence with us that inescapable Not that we would want to, but it is inescapable. Aren't you glad it is inescapable? And his power. Interesting, uh, in verses 13 through 16, God's greatest power is seen in the womb of a woman, in the creation of that life. And uh, what a wonderful thing that is. But then our meditation, uh, then he, he, he turns from that to God's thoughts toward him, thoughts probably thoughts that even uh, preceded uh, his conception in in the wound, and I would uh, postulate that verse 16 actually teaches us that life begins before conception in God's mind. But the womb is the great uh, power working place of God we see in this psalm. Then our thoughts are interrupted as with David spoiled as it were by by the wicked and so we shoo them away depart from me uh, you wicked and then it ends with a prayer of uh, self-examination you know he, he wants to be searched by God to know if there's any uh, wicked way in me. So I think my plan for going through this will be, I'll just go down through it, maybe read a few verses and maybe say a few things. And then in conclusion, I'll I'll go back through it and we'll stand and then I'll read it um, to you together and then we'll be uh, finished there. So, God's knowledge in verses 1 through 6, he says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my down-sitting, my uprising. You understand my thought afar off. You compass my path and my lying down. Um, The uh, old King James has compass. Um, 
I think what's interesting about that word, I'm trying to look here to see what you have. Go ahead and shout it out if you want. <laughs> you compass my path. Scrutinize. The word is actually winnowed when they would take grain and uh, harvest it. It would be mixed with chaff and the husks, and so they would winnow the grain. They would throw it up into the wind and let the wind uh, take the chaff away. So that's an interesting illustration of God's uh, dealings with us about uh, our path, compassing uh, our path, but he he winnows it. So in a sense, it, it seems to be saying that he's purifying it. Uh, for us. He's acquainted with all our ways. He knows what's going to happen when you get up in the morning and uh, he's acquainted with it uh, before you get there and before you say a thing, he knows what you're going to say because he knows your heart. He knows what you're thinking. And then verse 5, you have beset me behind and before and laid your hand Upon me, beset, some of your versions may have hemmed in. Uh, The word is besieged. It actually has a military uh, flavor to it. God hems us in and and keeps us from uh, straying. Verse 6, and here is where he he, uh, tells us how overwhelmed he is. Such knowledge is too wonderful wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. And in my version, uh, which is the old King James, um, the word attain is in italics. It's not there. It's like he can't find the word uh, for it. It's high. I cannot. And he, he, he doesn't have a word. I can't it <laughs> up to it. I can't, I can't, I can't fathom it. And, and that is, whether we're aware of it or not, <laughs> conscious of it or not, uh, we can't fathom God's knowledge and God's thoughts, uh, God's love toward us, that love that we heard about uh, this morning. So then he contemplates where he might go to get out from under the presence of God, if you will. So he contemplates heaven. No, God is there. Makes my bed in Sheol, or the grave, the place of the dead. Behold. There you are. And so even there, uh, one other place we can go, we can go out over the seas, over the oceans, take the wings of the morning. And uh, even there, his hand will lead me, verse 10, uh, his hand shall hold me. And note the, the hand uh, motif there. God's hand was seen... Uh, Verse 5, uh, where he says, um, you beset me, besieged me, hemmed me in, uh, and laid your hand upon me. So here, here is the hand again there in verse 10. And what a wonderful thought that the hand of God is, the, is what is leading us. You know, it's a wonderful comfort when you're a child to be able to hold on to your uh, dad's hand or your mom's and have them lead you and hold you. It's a place of safety. And so uh, that is what the psalmist is, is teaching us. How about the darkness? Verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness will cover me, even the night will be light about me. Yes, the darkness does not hide from you. 
The night shines as the day, the darkness and the light are both alike to you. There is no place where God uh, is not present. So those are his uh, uh, thoughts regarding God's uh, knowledge, God's presence, and God's power. But now we have God's or knowledge and presence. Now we're coming to the power in verse 13 because he turns his thoughts from darkness, his thoughts immediately go to the womb. And I wonder if there's a connection here because that would be the darkest place, right? There's no light uh, for us there. But God was there. He possessed my reins or he obtained my reins or, or what do we have? That's Old King James. What do you have there for reins? Verse 13, you have possessed my reins, inward parts. Literally, it's kidneys, but it's the uh, our inward being, our thoughts, uh, our emotions, our wills, all of that is tied up in this, this thought of reins, and God is uh, the possessor of them. And he begins then to describe the wonderful work of, the, of a baby being formed in a womb and how God's hand is involved in that. He says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from you when I was made in secret. And wondrously wrought, uh, curiously wrought is the King James, intricately woven. Uh, perhaps you have ESV or skillfully uh, formed in the in the NAS. This is what this is God's work in the womb, and, and what a violent hatred of God it is to interrupt that work in the womb and and perform an abortion of that child. That is a, a direct uh, shaking the fist at God's work. Because your eyes saw my substance, verse 16, yet being unperfect, unformed, not finished yet. It's still me uh, there in the womb. And, and God continued that work. And how, what a marvelous thing it is. Uh, as God is doing that work, he's not just doing the work, but he's thinking about you personally. He says, how precious also are your thoughts unto me. The word uh, precious there means weighty or costly, uh, highly valued, and which makes a, an interesting parallel with verse 18. I count them, they're more like more in number than the sand. So what is more weighty uh, than sand? Well, God's thoughts are, um, are that. And so... Uh, we see God's power. We see his thoughts, numerous, un innumerable, actually. And he says, then, when I'm awake, I'm still with you. Could be referring to our spiritual awakening. Could be referring to our, or we could apply it to our spiritual awakening. He could be applying it just to the natural process of sleeping 
and waking. And uh, we are most vulnerable when we're asleep. But we're with God then in the darkness, which he has just talked about. And when, we're, when we wake up, there is God still with us. But now we come to uh, the, the interruption that I talked about. You know, we have to... Uh, through much tribulation enter the kingdom of heaven that's just the way it is uh, that's the way God or has ordained it uh, for us and so here it is in verse 19 surely you will slay the wicked O God depart from me therefore you bloody men for they speak against you wickedly and your enemies Take your name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Yahweh, that hate you? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. The, the hatred of the wicked is, a, is difficult uh, Doctrine to uh, maneuver, perhaps. Difficult to take in, difficult to balance uh, for us. We're not used to thinking in, of hatred in the terms of a virtue, right? Most of the time, our hatred is not virtuous, and that's why we have uh, difficulty, perhaps, with a passage like this. And uh, I would just go through several scriptures here, if I may, and talk about hatred, good hatred, bad hatred, and the various forms of hatred, perhaps some that you may not have thought of. Um, And I will uh, try to go a little slower here. In Genesis 26, 27, if if you want to turn to some of these scriptures as we go along, I, I won't be going slow, but if, hopefully I'll give you time to at least put your eyeballs on them. Here we see a form of hatred, uh, shunning, basically. Uh, Isaac's neighbors, uh, Ahimelech, I believe it was, and maybe another one, came to him, and they saw that God was prospering him, and so they started to become scared of him. And he says, why do you come to me seeing you hate me? And, and did what? Sent me away from you. So uh, shunning is a form of hatred. <clears throat> Showing favoritism. By the way, hatred uh, is a verb. It's something we do and something God does. Showing favoritism can be a form of uh, spoken of as hatred. Uh, in Genesis 29:30 and 31, uh, Jacob goes into Rachel, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. Underscore that, loved more than Leah. And so he served Laban yet another seven years. And when Yahweh saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So there's hatred in the form of showing favoritism. He loved Rachel more uh, than Leah. So that is hatred. We see uh, Joseph's brothers hated him. They betrayed him uh, to the uh, 
traders who took him down to Egypt and sold him. Genesis 37, verse 8, his brethren said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? After he told them his dream. Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him, yet the more for his dreams and for his words. So Joseph's brothers <coughs> hated him by uh, betraying. Betrayal is a form of hatred. Leviticus 19, verse 17. I would like you to turn to that if you, if you would. It's uh, maybe put a bookmark in it. It's an important verse in, in regard to our verse uh, 21. Probably uh, it seems to me, well, let me read it first. He says, <clears throat> Leviticus 19:17 says, You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall in any wise rebuke your neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So here, overlooking sin is hatred. Parents, you need to remember that. Uh, we need to remember that with each other. Uh, looking the other way, when your brother sins, and you know it, uh, that's hatred. So here, here it seems to me is one of the uh, harder passages to reconcile with verse 21. I hate them uh, with perfect hatred. I count them uh, my enemies, but it at least let me say this. I think I can say it <laughs> with full assurance. At least we, sh- we should note that we have a duty to those who are indeed the proper objects of hatred. We have a duty to rebuke them, uh, even, even if they are the proper objects of God's uh, and, in, by extension, uh, our hatred. We need to remind ourselves, though, <coughs> of why he hated uh, God's enemies. Well, it's because they were uh, God's enemies. Verse 21, uh, back in our psalm again, they, uh, well, start in verse 20. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. So it's because of the way they're treating God. That is what should bother us. Uh, that is what should grieve us. Hate is what we do, but he also says grieve. There's also the emotion that goes uh, with hatred. And the word grieve there means to feel a loathing. That's the feeling behind hatred, to find them loathsome. And sometimes in in our repentance, we need to find ourselves loathsome uh, and see ourselves uh, that way as loathsome because we are enemies of God. When we take God's name in vain, when we say we're Christians but we don't act like one, That is taking God's name in vain, and we should loathe uh, ourselves for that. Murder, of course, is a form of hatred. Um, Deuteronomy 19.11, If a man hate his neighbor and lie in wait for him, rise up against him and smite him mortally that he die. 
that is murder. That is, he's doing it out of hatred. Good hatred, again, in God is um, the deeds of idol worshipers. He says, you shall not do so, verse uh, Deuteronomy 12, 31, you shall not do so unto Yahweh your God. In other words, uh, the context is you shall not worship uh, God in the way that the heathen uh, worship their gods. For every abomination to Yahweh, which he hates, have they done um, to their God. And that's uh, a New Testament uh, theme as well. In, in Revelation 2, in the letters to the churches, Jesus tells the Ephesians that you have this, at least, he uh, admonishes them for leaving their first love, but he says you have at least this, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And so the deeds of idolaters, um, God hates in the Old and in the New Testament. He tells uh, the church in Pergamos um, who had those there who taught the doctrines of Balaam and to eat meat sacrificed to idols and to commit fornication, he says, you also have those who teach the doctrines of the Nicolaitans. For the Ephesians, it was the deeds. With Pergamos, it's the doctrines. And so that uh, is the object of the Lord's hatred, he says, which I also hate. And so <clears throat> there's also the example of... of, of uh, Deception or keeping secrets uh, from someone is also called hatred uh, in the Bible. Um, Samson's wife uh, wept before him with a little pout on her lip and said, You hate me because you wouldn't tell me the secret of your riddle. Well, that's a form of hatred. Uh, In this case, uh, (laughs) it's... uh, a bad example, I guess, of the type of secret that we would keep from someone that would be uh, hatred, but that's how she saw it, and that's, uh, that is the form uh, that hatred can take. And then there's the king of Israel uh, who hated the man of God uh, because he never prophesied good unto me. He always prophesied bad things to me. He always uh, Micaiah always told him uh, the truth. So those are some of the forms uh, that hatred take. And so many of them, most of them, uh, we want to avoid, except the good ones, hating, idolatry, uh, and uh, with God's help, hating idolaters if we do it in a biblical way. Um, it's a tough balance to keep, um, to 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 keep those uh, things in mind. I always thought that, uh, at first I thought I'd really hit on something great because, okay, you love the sinner, hate the sin. We see that in Revelation. He hates the deeds and the doctrines. But here, uh, we don't have that out. He says, I hate them. Well, as I said once, one other time, there's a time for every purpose uh, under heaven. And our, and our hatred, is, this is not the time for, for hating the wicked. That's all. That's the best I can come to uh, at this point.
And who wouldn't cry out, verse 23, in, in light of these things, uh, we want to be like God in every way, love and hate, but he says, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts, see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And to that end, <laughs> the way everlasting, let's stand, if you would, please, as I read uh, Psalm 139. And then we'll be <clears throat> finished here. Oh, Yahweh, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts afar from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Yahweh, you know it altogether. You hem me in before behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the light and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, the night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do not I hate those who hate you, O Yahweh? And do not I loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. You may be seated.